Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Get Geek Podcast, where we celebrate geek, nerd, and pop culture. Each week, we deliver the best analysis for fans, by fans, on anything related to movies, TV, video games, comics, anime, and manga. We talk geek. And now, here's the Get Geek Podcast. Good day, y'all. Good afternoon. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of the Get Geek Podcast. What is going on, y'all out there in internet land? I am Jose. This is AJ. Eli. And this is... What should, what should I call myself today? The Nine-Tailed Fox Walt? Nine-Tailed Fox Walt? Something like that. I don't know. I mean, something... Okay. Something anime related, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. We're gonna have to. We're gonna Super, come up with our names. Super oh, Saiyan Eli Bebop. No. Okay, no, you know what? This is you know, AJ Joe Star. There you go. Ah, see, there you go. No, Eli go. Brando. It's a simple enough. For Eli Brando. That's it. Eli Brando. Ultra, Ultra Instinct Walt. <laughs> be Jose Spiegel. That's kind of anime, <laughs> but it's that's. It, Perfect. <laughs> I mean, it works out for what we're what we're going to talk a little bit about today. But first, let's do our simple disclaimers. Y'all know we're recording remotely. That's not news anymore. Slide into our DMs if you have any feedback about the audio. We think we've gotten it ironed out. We think y'all agree. But we do not mind people sliding into our DMs and giving us feedback on the podcast, on the episodes that we should do, the episodes that we have done, or any feedback that you wish to share with us. And the best way to support your favorite podcast crew is to go- jump on all social media platforms and like, rate, share, and subscribe to everything on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and go to all of your favorite podcast platforms, especially Apple Podcasts, if y'all have it. And please give us a rating, give us a review. That is the best way to spread the word about your favorite podcast crew of geeks. So here we are today, and us geeks are coming to you live today um, with just a little bit of a conversation. Uh, We're going to start off, though, uh, by talking a little bit about what we've seen thus far from the Cowboy Bebop live action show. It comes out exactly two months from the date that we're recording this. We're recording this today on September 19th, 2021 for release Manana and Cowboy Bebop. Uh, the live action Netflix series comes out in November, November 19th, 2021. Highly, highly anticipated. So y'all have seen some of these images, right? What'd y'all think of it so far? Well, for, for me, I, I thought that um, they, they kind of nailed uh some of the characters here um you know spike is is one of those well cowboy bebop in general is is one of those animes where it's it's iconic right oh yeah literally you know one of the one of these one of these shows that if you search up you know top animes you know those lists Mm -hmm. Cowboy Bebop yeah. will appear on every single one of them. Yeah, it's going to so, be you know either number one or top three or top five at worst on any list you look at. It's true, mm-hmm. exactly. So you know, seeing seeing that they are are transitioning this to live action, 
on Netflix. And like you said, it's coming out in what, in like a couple of months, right? Yeah, exactly two months from today on November 19th is when it's supposed to be coming out, but we'll see. <laughs> it, it's exciting news, but it's also the type of news that, you know, you're like, oh, you know, because Cowboy Bebop is so iconic, you're kind of afraid that yeah. they're going to take this beautiful thing mm-hmm. and and kind of mess it up. And yeah. you've kind of seen rumblings already because the first images have come out and you're seeing um, John Show's take on Spike Siegel, uh, Mustafa Shakir's take on Jet Black, which I, I got to say, dude looks awesome, They right? look great. I think the characters you look know? great, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, but of course, you know, with anything, you you know, we can't have nice things, right? Somebody's got to complain about something always, right? Because <sighs> Daniel Panetta's character, um, her costume has garnered some kind of controversy. Of course, the internet being the internet, because she's playing Faye Valentine. Now, Faye Valentine, if you guys remember in Cowboy Bebop, her outfit is what outfit. Well, you're right. It's less than realistic. I would, I would tend to say, like any and, anime and, or comic book, really, right? Right, exactly. Yes. But I, I mean, in this day and age, um, especially with you know how things are, it, it's kind of questionable. So they've updated her costume to be a little bit more functional <laughs> and comfortable, and, and comfortable. And of course, the internet loses its collective. You know what? Um, I don't have, a, yeah, I don't have a problem with it because you know what, you have to take some of these properties and kind of move them forward into this day and age. You know, yeah, and, my and I, I think that's what they're doing, and I don't have an issue with that. But again, the purists and the dare I say it trolls of the internet sometimes um, latch on to these type of things and and go wild with it. So. Um, I don't have a problem with the costumes. I think they look great. I think the actors that they've chosen uh, look awesome. Like I said, I am just hoping that the director, um, or Yoko, does, well, Yoko Kano, as I think, is a consultant, not a director. Excuse me. Go ahead. Yeah. The, the, the well, the showrunner is Andre Nemec, mm-hmm. right? And you know, I hope that he realizes that he's dealing with an iconic franchise. And he gives it the respect that it deserves. So um, that's what I got to say about that. Yeah, the whole Daniela Pineda controversy kind of drives me up a wall. And I'm I'm gonna be a little go a little bit further and say that that's definitely a bit of misogyny because mm-hmm. look, I get it. And if you watch the whole Cowboy Bebop series, and and full disclosure, it took me years to finally get around to it. I finally watched the whole thing in 2020, so I've seen the all 26 episodes, but relatively nice. recently. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of her character is yes, she uses her her sex appeal to to get over on other characters, right? Because they're they're bounty hunters, they're they're right. kind of con men, quote unquote. So she uses that as a weapon. But I don't see why necessarily she has to be half naked in order to use her attractiveness and use that in this show. She can exactly. still use those qualities in this show. And it, she can still have that agency. It doesn't have to be that she's like a freaking cartoon character, of a mannequin with no clothes on. So I think it's going to be fine. I don't understand why like that's the issue. All the other costumes are perfectly accurate. Okay, they altered this one a little bit because nobody actually freaking dresses like that. So 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. the controversy is ridiculous in my opinion. My, my biggest thing is that if you, if you tell a, a, a good story, then I'm fine. You know, if, if the story, if the story doesn't work, then who cares what the person is wearing? Yeah. That's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that they're definitely going to, they're going to definitely going to take a shot at a good story here. A lot of the original anime uh, creators are consultants on this one, in, including, as I mentioned, Yoko Kano, who's iconic for the music. That's one of the nice. things that's very iconic. That's good. So, yeah, I mean, you guys probably you've seen a few episodes. I know that that y'all haven't seen the whole thing yet, and I hope you get a chance to see it before the live action show comes out. But like oh, the absolutely. music is one of the things that is considered the most iconic thing about the show. And it's like blues and jazz. It's like nothing like you've ever heard in, in anime before or since. So and, and, that's going to be and cool. Listen, mm-hmm. Um, just, the, you know, it's, it's interesting to note that Cowboy Bebop and the music, um, the second show that, that was done by, by the director mm-hmm. was one of my favorites also, which is Sam, Samurai Champloo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Samurai oh, Champloo. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And, and Samurai Champloo, again, is iconic for the way that they, they put hip hop. Yo, you know, yeah. into the into that thing, mm-hmm. and and it has, as you well know, um, our boys here, we frequently listen to the soundtrack while we're driving. So, um, you know, it, it, the fact the fact that they're consulting on the show gives me gives me, you know, more. What's the word I'm looking for? More faith. More faith that they're going to really, really, you know be faithful to the themes of cowboy bebop you know i don't need an exact you know screen you know it's not gonna adaptation yeah i don't need that but i needed to be faithful to what cowboy bebop was like you know without spoiling it for y'all it's it has to be a prequel i'm just gonna say that it has to be what happens before or or it can be what happens during in between certain episodes Mm -hmm. y'all seen it's kind of episodic It, it is it does have a narrative to it but it is like a little bit like Adventure of the Week, but it's more than that, right? Because it's just a great, great, great show. I mean, in terms of music, <laughs> and we're going to talk about some of our favorite animes of all time later. That's our main topic for the podcast today. But in terms of music, the the beginning and ending theme song of Cowboy Bebop, these are all my favorite theme songs. I'll tell you that right now. We could jump into that, I guess, real quick. Um, the beginning and ending theme song, the... There's a there's a track from Attack on Titan season four that I love. Um, the opening, the first opening of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is an amazing musical track. Um, and I think it was, I think it was season three of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure that like freaking hey. rock thing. Stardust Crusaders. Yeah, I think that was the first track, the first one from Stardust Crusaders, the first theme. That song gets me hyped to kick butt, even though I'm not a violent person. So, yeah, like all that stuff is iconic. And as far as Cowboy Bebop goes, I'm cautiously optimistic i guess like walt if the story is good but i haven't seen it i've heard very bad things about death note so netflix does not have a good track record for turning things into live action have any of you guys seen death note yeah what'd you think of it we've seen both the animated series the anime series and we've also seen the um 
the live action. Yeah. I think this I was... might be a symptom of me not having watched the anime, but mm. I kind of enjoyed it. No. <laughs> no. Okay. If you saw the anime, like, though, it, it's a lot yeah. of people are not happy with how they did the adaptation. They're happy with, like, some of the CGI yeah. and how they did the character designs. But that's also what they're happy about so far with Cowboy Bebop. So I'm hoping that's not all we end up being happy about. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. I was the interesting thing. Oh, I'm sorry. You, no, go. Yeah, go, go ahead, ahead. Eli. Okay. Uh, I was also gonna like that. That's actually what I was gonna what I was gonna say. They they don't have a a very good track record of you know like uh, adapting animes to live action. I mean, you said Death Note. Uh, another perfect example, I think, I think in my opinion, is the Bleach live action. Mm. Which... I kind of enjoyed that too. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the anime, uh, AJ? Huh? No, not really. It's like I feel like such a snob. Like the book is better, but like a lot of cases, oh. that's what they're saying about these anime. Yeah, and I get that. It, it, it's kind of it's kind of like a um, it's kind of like a mixed bag because bag because for every bad adaptation that we see in terms of um, anime, the Death Notes of the world, the Bleaches of the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, you also have the really, really good ones. And one of my favorites would be the Ruroni Kenshin films. Interesting. Which I think I think is, if I, you know, and this is something that I, I, I think I've kind of told you guys, it's a must watch. Um, <clears throat> The Ruroni Kenshin films are are really really good, and they're at mm -hmm. they're adapting obviously both the anime and the manga. Mm -hmm. These are these are films that you know um, really really you know honor the anime and the manga, and but it it also works on its own level. Like if you never even knew that they were animes or mangas before, you would say, "Wow, this is just an incredible action film." Hmm. Okay, you know. So, you know, there is a mixed bag. The one thing that, again, kind of worries me about Cowboy Bebop is the fact that, you know, the episodes on the anime are 22, about 22 minutes long. Yeah. We're now talking about hour-long episodes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're going to have to fill some time with that. But, again, you know, we're, we're dealing with a different show. We don't know exactly what the show is going to be about. So... I'll I'll leave that as that, you know, but it it'll be it'll be interesting. That's something that, regardless, we're definitely going to be on the lookout and watching when it does come out. Um, Eli, Walt, y'all have seen um, Death Note, right? The anime, right? You said, or was it? Mm -hmm. So, for the most part, yeah. we haven't finished. Was it, Death you know? Note? Yeah. Well, well, as far as you have seen in the anime and the live action show, was Death Note um, an adaptation of the anime? Because the reason why I asked that question very quickly is because this is not an adaptation. Cowboy Bebop is not going to be an adaptation of the anime. That's actually what gives me mm -hmm. hope. It's it's based okay. on the characters from the anime. But it, like Good. I said, it has to be either in between episodes or before because the 26th episode run is very final. You know what I mean? I mean, right. there's a possibility that you can move past it, but it would be it would be deja vu. I'm not, that's the only thing I can say without spoiling it. So was Death Note, the, the Netflix show, an adaptation of the anime? And do you think that that's maybe well, a reason why yeah. it wasn't as successful? Well, the, the thing about it, the, the, the Death Note on Netflix was, was not really a sh It was a film. 
So, okay. you know, in mm. in that aspect, you know, it's very difficult to kind of it, it follows it follows the whole thing where it's like what do you do when you have a a large series but you're trying to condense it into an hour and a half, 2 hours. Mm, yeah, you yeah. know. That so, truncating um, it is it it really loses a lot of what makes these animes right. special, I feel like, and these mangas special. Exactly. And so, you know, it was kind of an adaptation, right? It was kind of like a reimagining, right? But yeah. it, it it pretty much followed all those points that are present in Death Note. Like the most major plot points are still stuck to it. Right, exactly. Okay. I will say this. Um, the casting of Re- of William Defoe as Ryuk mm-hmm. was yes. was spot on. <laughs> I, I will have to say that. Yes. You know, if there's one thing that the film did right uh-huh. was casting that guy as Ryuk, right? Do you agree, Eli? Yeah. It was it was a good choice. That was probably the the biggest highlight of that film, right? Yeah, probably. You know, but there was there's Death Note is 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 a lot more complex, you know, when it comes to the anime than it than the film. And and I think maybe that's one of the reasons why the film suffered the way it did. Yeah. Hmm. OK. Yeah. This, like I said, I'm ho- a little more hopeful. And the character that plays Vicious, who's one of the villains of the show, um, mm-hmm. Spike Spiegel's arch nemesis is a good casting as well. Alex Hassel, I think, is going to be really solid as Vicious. If you've seen the show, if you've seen the character, you would you would know what I mean. He comes in in an early episode, so you probably see him. Maybe you don't remember him super well. But in the early episodes, he's the guy that Spike fights that has a freaking sword, and he fights him in the church. Um, and he's like a recurring villain in the show, one of the main, the main characters. So the casting looks good. Um, just as the final bit of context, the show is a co-production between original series creators Sunrise Inc., the executive producer, as Walt said, Marty Adelstein, Company Tomorrow Studios, and the producing team of Midnight Radio, Thor Ragnarok, and the Mandalorian writer Christopher Yost serves as producer and scribe for the series. And original series composer Yoko Kano is returning to provide the adaptation with music that is sure to kick some ass as well. Pardon my French. But that's from uh, Collider.com. So the, a lot of the original creators are coming back and a lot of really talented people that made some shows that we love and movies that we love like Thor Ragnarok and The Mandalorian are serving as as the creative talent in terms of writing for the show. So that, that gives me a little bit more uh, a little bit more confidence that it's going to be something really, really solid. So, yeah, uh, that's Cowboy Bebop. Live action. We're certainly going to have an episode about it when it comes out. Oh, absolutely. Um, and yeah, you guys should definitely take some time. Catch up slowly, but surely you got a couple of months. You got 22, 23 episodes. They're 22 minutes. So it won't take you too long to run right through it real quick. I'm running through Banshee season three, by the way. I know you'll be happy about that. <laughs> um, and and <laughs> I'm running through Ted Lasso. It's good. Season one. Right? Ted Lasso is funny. I think it's a fun Ted show. Lasso. It, it is probably one of my favorite shows right now. I thought it was going to be it, just because it's funny, but it's also it's also, you know, inspirational at, at the same time, yeah. you know, with uh, <laughs> all of the lassoisms and whatnot. <laughs> I, I didn't want I don't want to get off topic, but like, yeah, like for sure, it's a show that I'm enjoying. And I thought I was going to be so annoyed by the relentless positivity in the, on the show in the first few episodes. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be saccharine. It's going to give me diabetes. But. You know, after a few episodes, it's way more clever than you realize. It's way more than just like a positive, happy witticism like show that it seems to be. So 
there's a reason why it garnered there's a reason why it garnered 20 emmy nominations so yeah um you know it's it's on it's definitely it's like butter because it's on a roll right now (laughs) it's one of the hot shows on tv right now uh there's no doubt about that so i guess uh let's jump into the main conversation today which is of course still anime related I uh, wonder if one of y'all wants to volunteer to start and answer this question first, because we're talking about some of our favorite anime of all time. We're going to talk about, I guess, our favorite anime of all time, which, of course, can adjust. Time changes things, but I have one in mind. Oh, sure. <laughs> Does anybody want to get us started with their favorite anime of all time? Eli? AJ? I don't Walt? know. It's it's kind of weird for me because I have a lot of favorite anime. Yeah, so. I know. I So do I, but I can pick one that's like really if anything, you could just say it's your favorite anime right now, because okay. I think we're all such huge nerds, right? That it's hard to pick a favorite anything ever. It really, really right? is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had our episodes oh. where we picked our favorite characters and our favorite movies, but who knows? But a lot of that's probably changed since nope. we had those. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> it changes just based on the time of day. Yeah. You know, what yeah. you're in the mood for, but like for right now, Eli, for this moment in time. On September 19th, 2021, what is your current favorite anime of all time, quote unquote? So, honestly, oh, shoot. These two, uh, okay. So, the show that I'm about to propose uh, to this thing, yeah, mm-hmm. is I haven't even finished. So, technically, does that still uh yes make it yes yeah yeah yeah. i'll say okay. i'll say that only because mine is still on it finishes in january the anime that i'm watching that's a hint but yeah, yeah. I, I think that is if if you've gone through a lot of it and you really enjoy it then yeah it's your favorite let's hopefully it'll stick the landing but continue tell us a little bit more about your favorite okay so um my favorite show anime show is actually a little bit of a tie but I'll, I'll put this one out there. It's actually Death Note, Ooh. which is which is surprisingly enough. Um, Interesting. Death Note okay. is like probably the first anime that I was ever introduced to. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's going to hold a special place in my heart for that. But it's not even just that. The the It starts, I mean, you obviously know the premise of Death Note. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like some sort of, I think he's a high school. Yeah, so, Light Yagami. Mm-hmm. Light Yagami. He gets a hold of uh, a book that's dropped by, um, shoot, what do they, like, not the, yeah, the demons. No, 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 the the death gods, right? Death gro- The death gods drop it because they're bored. <laughs> it's um, like, yeah. You have, yeah, it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's such let's a weird take happens. on, <laughs> yeah, let's just see, oh my god. And then, obviously, he picks it up, he gets a hold of it. And he's up against um, L, which is one of the, um, I guess the. He's not a detective. Well, yeah, he's he's a detective mm-hmm. who mainly works by himself. But anyway, that's besides the point. Death Note is my favorite anime because of its totally different take on um, anime stories. Like it's one of the most different stories I've ever, you know, I've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that really, 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 that I really, really like about this, this story is, I mean, Light Yagami is an L, Light Yagami and L's rivalry, Mm -hmm. which is something that 
it's not a rivalry like uh Joe um yeah Jonathan uh Jonathan and or Dio. Dio. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like Goku and Vegeta. Um it's more of a an intellectual sort of fight. Yeah, it's like a, a chess match between the two yeah, characters. Yeah, and that's that's why I I love Death Note because it's not about upfront fighting. It's more of it's, uh a distance planning out your next move being a strategist. It's cerebral. That's what I like about it's that. Cerebral. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much the Star Wars versus Star Trek type of comparison, oh right? God. Whereas yeah. Star Wars is this big you know, fanfare spectacle where Star Trek, at least in its earlier iterations, not the J.J. Abrams with, you know, versions withstanding, was very much, you know, the whole cerebral, um, you know, the, especially when I, when you, you look at films like The Wrath of Khan, right? Mm-hmm. That was that was a, a movie that was entirely a, a chess, fat, chess match between the two characters. So... Mm-hmm. You're seeing the same thing in, in Death Note as well, right? Yeah. And Death Note does it really well because at the very beginning, they're kind of like, um, they're they're kind of like unwitting uh, colleagues at at the beginning, right? <laughs> but, I was gonna say really uh, like very, right? Yagame and L. Oh yeah. Right. So there's so. that there's that whole thing where it's like Light is is and he plays his character right has that alter ego of Kira. Yeah, Kira, Kira, right. which, and which ironically enough, uh, is I believe the Japanese, Japanese for word killer. for killer. Yeah, right. So Kira. So yeah, so he develops this alter ego, and both Light and L are kind of working the case, you know. Yeah, and there's that that uncomfortableness between the two of them because Light obviously knows who he is, and L very intuitively suspects who yeah. light is right yeah so. but the way they play it out is obviously like um it's just it's freaking amazing and <laughs> it's, it's not even just that it's like you know like it's almost sort of even controversial the idea of this because i mean if you really think about it this is what happens if you give a human that much power and I love that that controversial theme of this show mm-hmm. and how Light Yagami, he doesn't abuse – well, to some extent, I would say he sort of does. He, he kind of toes the line because yeah. there, there are times where he wants to do he wants to do the right thing. And there are times where, you know, just human emotions and human impulses kind of, you know – Yeah, they get uh, in the way. They get in the way. Jose, have you, have you ever watched – any any of Death Note? I have not seen Death Note. I mean, to me, it sounds like if you're making the Star Trek comparison, it's more Picard and less James T. Kirk. It's, it's more yeah. more cerebral and less punching stuff. So, like, that yeah, sounds interesting. There's very very rarely do you see like a fight scene. That that's not this type of show. You know, it, yeah, it's it's another. more it's more almost like a crime procedural. Is it like yeah, a crime it's, like it's, it's awesome. like horror story type thing a little bit? Also, does it have like elements of horror, or is it lean away from that? Is it more like no, film, film noir, maybe? Like that kind it's, of crime story? It's a, it's a dark film, but I wouldn't say yeah, that it's... Because, um, you know, yeah. I, I guess the horror aspect would be the death gods, mm-hmm. you know, and and the way that they are. But it's very much a like a crime procedural because, you know what, it's it's one of these things, and, and just to get into the aspect of what Death Note is, um, the Death Note is a book that 
um, the person who holds the book, the wielder of the book, can literally write into the book and yeah. kill the person based on what he writes on. So, like, let's say, for example, you know, I have the book and I say, well, you know what, this person is going to die by decapitation due to a car accident at seven o'clock in the afternoon. Well, that's going to happen. It has to be. But the the thing about it is it has to be super specific. You can also change the details of of what he does, what he she does before they die. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the way that they that they sort of use that and sort of. I don't know, even even twist it a little bit around, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's just weird to see. It's just yeah. Yeah, so it gives it gives the wielder an incredible amount of power and that's basically, you know, the conflict that you'll see. You you won't see the traditional, you know, fights between characters and stuff. It's basically, you know what, I'm writing something down. Somebody's going to die. Um, and then it's just yeah. figuring out how to stop it and how to stop this Kira person mm -hmm. from continuing to do this. And in some aspects, Light Yagami does use this power for good, like I said, but then sometimes there are, there are these natural human impulses and emotions that kind of get caught up in his decisions. So mm -hmm. and L is, is part of a task force to stop Kira, and he's like one of these very eccentric yeah. but extremely extremely smart and intuitive characters and he's always trying to find a way to kind of um stop this kira character from doing what he's doing and and kira in, interestingly enough kira becomes um a character of kind of that's almost held reverentially right to the public you yeah. know he becomes kind of this folk hero you know, hmm. so that's that's another thing that kind of um, is an impediment to L in terms of trying to find yeah. this guy because you know Kira has kind of gotten become yeah. like a godlike figure in terms of the eyes of the public. And in a way, L is as well a, a godlike figure. In he's more uh, revered in like more of like the I guess the task force yeah the, um, more the law enforcement community yeah. mm -hmm. law enforcement um community. whenever L walks into the room there's like a quiet hush because like oh my god yeah there was yeah. like oh my god that's L oh he's in the oh my gosh what what, what do I say what do I do you know yeah. interesting so <laughs> and he's super secretive which plays a large uh a huge role in uh I guess you could say their their fight right yeah it's it's a it's an intellectual fight. It's not a physical fight, yeah. and and that's the thing that drives Death Note. That's why yeah. you know I can see and AJ. I'm not trying to discount how you feel about the film, but when you talk about how when just listening to you guys talk about how complex this TV show is, this anime is, um, it seems like it just wouldn't work very well in a movie if you're just trying to shoehorn all that oh. stuff in. Sounds like it's right. pretty complicated. I mean. How many seasons or episodes is the original anime? Are you guys fam familiar with that? Um, it's it's quite a long one. Um, let me. I'll I'll find out for you really really quickly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey. Um, a, or excuse me, Eli. If uh, if you have any other thoughts on Death Note, well, Walt is looking that up. I'd love to hear them. But if not, I want to ask you a more general question to kind of wrap up your segment yeah. and wrap up your favorite anime of all time. What is your favorite yeah, thing sure. about anime in general? Why is it like way cooler than cool. some other genres? Just out of curiosity, what um, do you love about anime? 
and and I, I just uh, I don't I don't mean yeah. to cut you guys off, but in terms of the actual show, it has thirty seven episodes. Okay, that's that's pretty good. Okay, so it's something that can be put into a movie, maybe, but like it seems like it's think, really forcing it. Yeah, I yeah. think I think this is a the type of show that would benefit from a long form adaptation, right? Like vis a vis a vis a a series. Yeah, vis a vis ergo a series. Yes, but- exactly. <laughs> So we're still stuck on Matrix. Matrix. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, exactly. Uh, to answer your question, something, um, you know, just generally, um, one thing that I really like about anime, of course, is the art style because I'm an artist. So, of course, I'm going to like how they how they draw specific things, except for Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> uh, super. I mean, because that was just disgusting. Well, toward the style. end, it got better. Huh? Towards the Okay, fine, fine, fine. But anyway. Yeah, art style, and also how crazy it gets. There's there's a level of insanity that you get from anime, um, and sometimes it's much calmer insanity, but it's generally just insanity. So yeah, it's that's why I like anime. Okay, all right. Uh, you know what? I will go ahead next and give my ideas for my favorite anime or what my favorite anime of all time is. Like I said, it's one that's currently on. Um, and that is, and I'm actually watching it again. This is how much I love it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, think, I think we know. Yeah. I think we knew. The you already knew the answer, man. Like yeah. I've talked about it so yeah. much. It's like, if, if somebody asked me what my favorite shooter was, it's like, that's a stupid question. It's battlefield, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I've, I've made it clear on the show before how much I absolutely love attack on Titan, how much I'm absolutely addicted to it. And if you want an idea about how much I love this show, um, mm. so I saw it, let's see, I saw the English dub first by myself up until the current season. It's up to season four. It's the second half of season four airs in January of 2022, and that's the finale. That's the end of the show. The manga's already been finished for since since late 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched it first myself, and that was an interesting slog because if you all are familiar with Attack on Titan's production, it came out with the first season, and then it took four years for season two to come out. So it had wow. a lot of hype. It went People went crazy for it, and they were like, yeah, you all don't need to see this for a few years now. We'll get to it eventually. It was a very expensive show and it was a very, very difficult production, which is always, which is the case a lot of times. That's why Dragon Ball uh, Super had a lot of issues early on. The production schedule is terrible. They don't throw enough money at it. And like Walt said, it gets better and better as it goes on. And I'm hoping on, on, you know, not to get too far aside, but I'm hoping that once they finally adapt the Dragon Ball Super manga into the anime, you know, they're going to do it eventually that they'll take their time with it because, you know, they're letting a lot of the manga kind of go like kind of a lot of the manga story happen first. Which is the best way to adapt the manga, if you ask me. Let the, let the manga happen first. Give them time to adapt it. Give them time to, to give it some kick-butt animation, which Dragon Ball deserves in this instance, right? Yeah. But, you know, Attack on Titan kind of mm-hmm. kind of suffers from the same thing from time to time. Um, but, okay, so I saw it the first time in English. I saw it again in Japanese from start to finish, <laughs> all the way up until we, where we are now. Uh, I saw it again with my now fiancé. She watched it with me <laughs> a third oh, time, nice. right? Nice. She's going to finish it with me when it comes out in, in the English. And I've now started again uh, with my positively cynical co-host question. 
he started it and he's already very, very intrigued by the anime as well. We were only about three episodes in. And he's like, yo, this is this is crazy. Like, what is this? This is weird. Quick question. Yeah. And I'm sorry to kind of cut you no, off here, but <laughs> is your friend's name inspired by the DC character? The question? <laughs> I just want to know. That's been a burning question at the back of my mind. I think it's more inspired by the Riddler. Because he loves the Riddler. Oh, okay. And it was also a moment in one of our first episodes where, like, I started, like, I don't know, it was a play on words. And he was like, what should my name be for this show? And I was like, that's the question. And then it ended up being question, kind of. Uh, but he's a big Riddler fan, so it probably kind of, uh, it kind of relates to that. So, like, he started watching sorry. it. No, no worries. No worries. This is about our favorite anime and all the experiences surrounding it. So that's totally okay. Yeah. Uh, as for why Attack on Titan is my favorite anime, I, I think I want to tie it a little bit to what Eli was saying about how Death Note is such like a stylistically and genre wise so different from other anime, right? Yeah. I think my one of my favorite things about Attack on Titan is it it kind of it tricks you in the best way. And I'll explain what I mean by that without spoiling too, too much, right? The first couple of seasons are straight shonen manga. It's like straight up like here's some monsters. Here's some guys with some cool swords and some Spider-Man freaking ropes flying around some trees. They're going to kill some monsters. They're going to fight some giants. Like some crazy stuff is going to happen. You're going to get like literal MMA fights on this show. I don't know if you've seen clips, Walt, but there are like actual MMA fights between giant monsters that are fairly accurate MMA fights. So and now I'm like, now I'm even more peaked and yes, like there there's guillotine chokes, like like there's one what? fight that you'll see in the first season. Right, is the first season? Yeah, in the first season where it's and the, and it happens again too, but it's literally an MMA fight. They're mounting, they're knocking people over, they're tackling people. It's an actual MMA brawl between two characters, between two giants. Okay, so like it's a lot of fun, straight shonen, straight like kick butt action the first couple of seasons but if you're watching the first couple of seasons you'll start to notice there's little seeds little things being planted and you're like huh what does that mean to the story overall and i think that this is another reason why i love the show the writing has so well planned out that there are things you're going to see in season one that will come back three seasons later and make a massive difference or two seasons later or a season later. There isn't a detail on the show, save for one or a plot point, save for one other than the ones that have come up in later seasons that they'll probably resolve here in the final season. There isn't a plot point that hasn't gotten at least a decent explanation for me. So the writing on the show, I think is fantastic. Like, especially like on a rewatch, you know, cause I've seen it so many freaking times. It's like the matrix of like anime for me. I go back and see it again and again. On a rewatch, and you watch it, and you see these details in season one, you've already seen the first four seasons, you're like, holy heck. Like, I can't believe that I didn't see this three seasons ago, or in season two, or whenever else. So I think that that's something that I love about the show. Hmm. Another thing that I love, talking about, again, getting back to what Eli had said. I love the fact that you get a straight shonen manga in season two, and then it does like a, like a genre-type MCU thing. Season three is almost like a political thriller. And season four, like, is like an entirely new show altogether. Like, the context of what, what the first three seasons are about gets, quote-unquote, resolved. 
not exactly, but it, it it resolves a lot of the things that are going on in the first three seasons. And then season four goes to a totally different place from the first three seasons. And you can tell that by season four, they're starting to to believe the hype that this is like prestige anime because the production value goes up, the writing goes up, the amount of dialogue has, has increased. Um, there's action in season four, but like it's a lot more segmented to tell the story a little bit better. And one of the other things that I love about it is talking about Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop was one of the best dubs, if not the best dub in anime just ever. Like people will tell you, watch the English version. This is the only anime, Cowboy Bebop, where people will tell you, watch the English dub. Like, And they'll say it's okay to ignore the Japanese dub. I wouldn't go so far as to say that Attack on Titan's English dub is better. But it solves a lot of the issues that we see in anime all the time that we we're kind of okay with. But like, you know, when you're translating and you're lip syncing certain things from Japanese into English, a lot of the translation is a little strange. And in Attack on Titan, whoever is writing the translation is probably is an is an excellent writer in Japanese and in English because it makes sense in an, in an English or American context, which sometimes, and you know, you know how anime is like, sometimes there's certain in jokes and certain cultural things that get translated over. And we understand them because we're anime fans by now, but it's really nice and refreshing to see an anime where they took some time to think about the American context of the story and the American context of the dialogue. Hmm. So it's beautifully animated. And by the way, some of the voice actors, uh, one of the main characters, Captain Levi, that's the English voice Ooh. actor for for Jotaro. Oh, there's some dope voice actors <laughs> yeah. on this show. That's just an example. Um, and like some of the writing for each character is just absolutely amazing on this show. Like some of my favorite characters in all of media are on this show, and I've said it before. I'll say it again. Up until where we are at in season four right now, this is probably my not just my favorite anime of all time but this is approaching one of my favorite tv shows of all time period that's high praise. that's how good the writing is like it the writing is amazing at least in my opinion you know that's my opinion it's my favorite anime of all time i know some other people who really really enjoyed it. i know some people that went through season one and they hated it and they never saw it again so you know to each their own but I think that that's the thing that I really, really, really just love about Attack on Titan. Like, you think you're going to get one thing, and the show consistently kind of trumps your expectations, kind of changes your expectations, takes it in a different direction. And indeed, by the end, you're getting a show that, like, some people call this the Game of Thrones of anime. That's the that's the comparison that you'll hear. <laughs> it's, wow. it's funny okay. you say that because my, uh, my selection... I'm going to compare it to Game of Thrones also. <laughs> and maybe that's I was just literally thinking about that, but like no, I'm sorry. Just I, I had to put that point out there because I was just, it's just making me laugh. Hey, it might be a more apt comparison to be fair. You know, I think the reason they call it that though is because it's gotten to the point where it's like prestige, much watch must watch. There's mm-hmm. certain characters that are like your characters, it's not not as bad as Game of Thrones, bad, quote unquote where they're just killing <laughs> characters left and right, but they certainly don't necessarily, like, give characters plot armor on the show. Like, if there's plot armor, it makes a heck of a lot of sense in most cases. Um, mm-hmm. 
And there's, yeah, there's there's some instances for sure, but like it's not as bad as like say by the time you get to Game of Thrones final season where people are being attacked by a bunch of whites, and like they're on the floor like being swarmed by like fifty of them and they just like scream and survive like somehow. No, none of that kind of plot armor, right? And so far, season four of this show has stuck the landing, in my opinion, far better than Game of Thrones season seven or eight have. So, and I mean. Just uh, some of the characters, you know, like I said, the way that they're written is absolutely amazing. The main character will annoy the heck out of you for a couple of seasons until you start to, to understand what his his reasoning is. And by the time you get to season four, he might be one of your favorite characters. I think that's the thing that's so wonderful about the show also is like it's got a it's also got a fun sense of moral ambiguity. Your heroes aren't necessarily the heroes of the story on this show. And I kind of love that complex style of storytelling in anime. And, you know, to kind of close out my thoughts on on Attack on Titan, which I've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast before, so I'm not going to go too long on it. Um, it reflects one of my favorite things about anime. And it's basically the same thing Eli said. Anime is so cool because, like, you can get an anime about girls working out in the gym. Like, the amount of genres, the amount of weird stories you get, like, the devil is a part-timer. You can get a, an anime about the devil coming to earth and working in a fast food restaurant. And that's like an anime. You know what I mean? Like the amount of creativity and the amount of genres that anime spans, I think is why I love it so much. You can see anything in an anime. You could see Attack on Titan. You can watch Death Note. It's like a, it's like a detective type of serial. Uh, you know, you could go and watch horror you watch Junji Ito, the animes that are coming out in, in later this year. The amount of, of different stories that, that they take the time to tell an anime, because you could do it in American animation too, but American animators aren't that bold, I think. And I think that's what I love about anime. Anime can get you any type of story you're looking for. You know, it's, it's fantastic. It's crazy. It can be witches and monsters. It can be a real world story. And I think that's why anime for me is so so freaking awesome personally so i want to hear from somebody else on what y'all favorite animes are i mean i think most people predicted what mine was so i'm gonna go next to mr aj can you tell us a little bit about what your favorite anime is and also answer the question by the end if you could what is your favorite thing about anime in general so there are two okay that I'm going to talk about. One, obviously, is the honorable mention, and the other is just one I supremely enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, so the first one I'm going to um, talk about is a very specific version of Dragon Ball. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's a very controversial pick. Even among the Dragon Ball community, I, think I know what this is going, where this going. <laughs> yes, the series I am talking about is Dragon Ball GT. Honorable mention. Yes, this is the honorable okay. mention. Okay. Yeah. Go on ahead, tell us about it. We've all seen it. So, the reason why I like it is because it, while Goku is. Kind of, is pretty followable in the original Dragon Ball, obviously. In Z, yes, but you can tell it was time for a change of pace. Mm -hmm. In GT, 
it was definitely supposed to be a change of pace, but they didn't do it. They started with it, and then they didn't they didn't commit to it, right? Yeah, well, no, because um, originally, I don't know if you know this, the series was supposed to center solely on Goten and Trunks. Yeah. And it wasn't wasn't Pan also was Pan was included as well, right? Or was it? No, no, no. no I you're right. You're don't right. remember that. Yeah, it was Goten and Trunks, and then they ended up doing Trunks, Pan, and Goku, and, Goku. and then there's just Goku eventually. <laughs> Yes, Goku time. It's oh, it's always just Goku, Goku. time. Yeah, I, I mean, but go ahead, tell us a little bit more about. But see, here's the thing: the one thing I can appreciate about GT is that they make Goku, at least in my opinion, a much more followable character. Why do you say that? Well, so for one, you kind of see his growth over the years especially as he assumes the Super Saiyan 4 form. He is much more willing, like, obviously, you know, ah, you know, I love to fight. This is the same old me. But he, I feel, he's a lot more willing to do the deed in terms of killing the actual villain and not have as much fun with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, there's a point where he says, okay, enough is enough. You, you We, we kind of got to end this. <laughs> Whereas in, like, Super, which, you know, understandably, it is a younger Goku if you're comparing the two timelines. Mm-hmm. But in Super, he's honestly a flat-out villain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's so careless that yes. his actions lead to, like, the worst in situations and it's not even like um i'm trying to think there was there was another i can't even think of it right now i'm blanking but there was another cartoon or movie where the main character realized that they were that them being around caused more conflict and so they removed themselves from like from the equation basically they like disappeared instead of continuing to bring conflict and goku is just like yeah like i want to fight i don't care like the th- the fate of the planet Whatever, the fate of the multiverse, whatever. My boy Zeno, I mean, if he wants to destroy us all, at least we get a good tournament out of this. So, like, yeah, I see what you're saying. God, I could, I could not stand He's that. so cl- carelessly stupid. Like, he's kind of like what's happened to Homer Simpson over the years. Homer Simpson was like a cool, like, loving father, even though he was kind of adult in the first 10 seasons. And, like, now he's just a narcissistic jerk in The Simpsons. In the Simpsons. And that's kind of what Goku became in Super. I agree with you on that. Yeah, and then I just kind of, you know, I love the arcs. Um, I, I like what they did with the Dragon Balls. Mm-hmm. Baby is obviously one of my favorite villains. Mm-hmm. Super 17 was eh, kind of flat, but, you know, it's okay. Yeah, Super 17 was weak. I feel like Super 17 and Lord Lude <laughs> were like, <laughs> no, we don't need this. <laughs> oh my god right though like we didn't need any of the only characters. thing <laughs> the only thing i like about lord lude's kind of thing was you got moochie moochie out of that uh, the sentient whip uh, <laughs> yeah okay okay i'll allow it copy vegeta was fun too i like copy vegeta that was another decent storyline even though it didn't really go much of anywhere 
Uh, I did not like that. That felt like a very cheap ripoff and almost kind of a jab at Baby. Honestly, interesting. I thought what they were trying to do there was a homage to the first fight between Goku and Vegeta. That's the vibe that I always got from that fight scene. Well, I mean, yeah, you did, but you know, if you kind of look at what he is, you know, I mean. I guess yeah. the reality is anyway that Dragon Ball Z already did that original fight homage better in in uh this the uh baby the baby saga in the Boo saga when Majin Vegeta yeah. fights Goku. So yeah, I get it. I definitely get it. Tell us a little bit more about what you love about GT. Well, I was actually gonna end it there, seeing as it's the honorable mention. True. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um the number one which kind of took me by surprise. But I actually find myself watching this a lot more than I do Dragon Ball now. Okay. In terms of, like, rewatches. Mm-hmm. And it's also because I've been getting him to finish it, Eli. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know, sometimes I just like going and rewatching part one. <laughs> because I like it so much. And then part three also. Maybe I'll get around to part two these days. But this anime I'm talking mm-hmm. about is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. We've heard that one before, too. I was watching some of the new episodes again uh, recently. I'm trying to catch up to where you are on, oh, on that. Stand Proud. And that's another Stand thing. Proud. Why hasn't, that's what it's called. Yeah. Thank you, Eli. No, but Bloody Stream is the best. Sorry. Why hasn't <laughs> parts what? Um, why hasn't part, I think it's five? five come out yet it's 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 killing it's on i think that yeah the 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 sub is out if you go to like crunchyroll or anything like that you can watch the japanese parts and go ahead with it but like i'm kind of where you are i watch it anyway but i'm watching the english one first and i'll probably end up watching the japanese dub afterwards because i love to do that with any show that i enjoy oh Mm -hmm. yeah so um why do I like this show now even above Dragon Ball? I like how this is going to be a little, this is probably going to be a little controversial, but mm-hmm. I kind of like how they do crazy better than Dragon Ball. Yeah. And Dragon Ball isn't intentionally crazy, but it's still crazy nonetheless, and you like Jojo that. Is, like Jojo's that Bizarre Adventure is very intentionally crazy. <laughs> yeah, you've seen any of the manga, it's so spectacularly. The manga's way worse. I think somebody like eats a dog. It's in worse. The manga. Somebody like eats a dog in the manga. They do not show that. Oh my in the god! Anime. A character eats a dog, Yo. and they like they kill a baby in the manga. Like the manga does not play. The manga is far Damn. more bizarre. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I clearly have to pick up the manga now. Yeah, if you want to get crazy, you got to check out the manga. The manga is way more wild. It's a lot of fun, though. Emily like, read a couple of issues. It's hard to kind of catch up on a manga that's been around for that long. But tell us, continue. Tell us a little bit more about JoJo. What do you love about it? So, initially, what, what kind of caught my eye with this show was that well first of all when you you look at part one mm-hmm. the time immemorial is the best guy of all time jonathan joestar he is like i know he's he he's a pretty seemingly simple good guy like i stand for righteousness and all that but there's just a way he went about it that was just so like it was 
it was a thing of its own. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just like how how in my how well written he was. Like, in in some respects, like just like his interactions, even with villains, it was kind of. Again, this is gonna be a little uh It was almost like Jesus like or something. I, I don't even know. <laughs> no, I agree. He's the best one because I loved how I my one of my favorite gimmicks of his was how he would tell the villain. He's like freaking Conor McGregor. He would be like, I'm gonna beat you like this. And like then he would proceed to actually beat them in exactly that way. I thought that, that was something that was always fun about his character. And he okay, so this is a bit of an odd comparison, but he gave me like a little bit. Not 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 necessarily anywhere in his, but he gave me like because of his quips and the way he would like kind of get inside villains' heads, he gave me like a Spider-Man vibe. Like Spider-Man like messing with villains, trying to like throw them off by joking with them and like messing with them. So I enjoyed that his character that more way. Like too. Joseph. All right, am I picking the wrong one here? Oh, you're yeah, right. That you're right. sounds more like you Joseph. You are right. I'm sorry. I like Joseph and I'm a jerk for messing that one up. Jonathan is more the straight mm-hmm. character, right? He's like more the straight Yes. Man. He's the he's like the super straight yeah, arrow. I love Like if you put a straight arrow next to him, it will either like break or say you are the real straight arrow. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. I totally like lost some geek cred there by getting those names confused, but I definitely do that every once in a while. Um yeah. yeah it's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the other thing. Joseph <laughs> Joseph is amazing also. Like for exactly the reasons you said. Yeah. Just his <laughs> whole like <laughs> and next you're going to say and then they actually yeah. say it. Yeah, I love that about his character. I I think that's kind of what I love the, about the show like you do. It's kind of self-aware. It knows what it is. It almost gets meta yeah. at times, but it's just like, yeah, we're having fun with this and we don't care what anyone thinks. It's just crazy. Yeah. Mhm. And then the way they play off the villains is also pretty amazing. Like, with part one, you had super straight arrow uh, Jonathan, Mm -hmm. but then you also had the most crooked arrow in the universe, Dio. God, hated that guy. Mm -hmm. He, like, the one thing I like about that that writer, um, he knows how to make you hate someone. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Jesus. Dio is the best because he's the worst, basically. Yes. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. And I just like his comeback in part three. Like, I, I kind of wasn't expecting it because I really thought he just went down in part one. But part three was just kind of like, nope, he's here and he's back better than ever. Knows. It was a little annoying that he was like saved for like the very end like the absolute yeah. end, like two to three episodes. Just end. like a final battle. That's about it. Yeah. But uh, even then, he was as enjoyable as he was in part one, to be honest. I, I, in a way, I kind of understand what they were doing. They were trying to separate him as this godlike character. That's why they kind of saved him for the end. But I agree. He's such a fun character. His dialogues are so freaking good. His monologues are so good that it would have been really, really nice to see a little bit more of of his character in that season. I agree with that. And yeah, the villains on the show are great. I think all the villains are pretty, pretty solid because they all have cool powers. I mean, the low-level villains are silly, but like the bigger <laughs> villains in the show, they tend to be really, really interesting characters and really, really cool characters, I think. And then 
I mean, you got to love a show that like decides to make a Nazi one of the, one of its heroes, von Stroheim. Oh, God. God. <laughs> yeah. I'm being awesome. sarcastic, oh, but boy. wow. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm not saying I love the show that makes a Nazi one of his one of its heroes, but that was an <laughs> interesting choice, in my opinion, having von Stroheim in the show. That was really weird. Yeah, yeah. it was. But like, I mean, I didn't so much mind that, but I was just like. What? I mean, granted, Nazis are always the villains, and you're always so used to that. So I'm not going to say it was a nice change of pace, but it certainly took you aback. If that's what he was going for, he did it perfect. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He definitely pulled that off. Yeah. And then I guess just to kind of close JoJo's out, like, you know, it's awesome how crazy it is. you know, part four it was okay. Uh, I, I felt this was one of the the weaker seasons, only because it introduced a really interesting premise, but didn't, in my opinion, do that much Ooh, with it. I'm still going through it, so I will definitely. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna spoil it. The one thing I will say about it is, once you eventually <laughs> like get to who the main villain is supposed to be, he. He's kind of he's okay, you know. Hmm. Okay. He, he he has an interesting premise about him, um, and the way he goes is certainly unconventional. There's there's only honestly there's two things that I haven't liked about the show so far, and it's two characters that I think got done dirty. To be to be very honest, um, first of all, they did my boy Avdol dirty twice. Twice in that season, you. I think you know what I'm talking about, AJ. I thought he was. Yeah, I know. Guy. Eli doesn't quite yet, but <sighs> well, he the will. First know. time, even still, though, that was sort of that was messed that up, was though. dirty, bro. Yeah. They did him so dirty. Uh, he's he was uh, he was one of my favorite characters in that season. And they also did they did my boy Kakyoin Gohan. They did him super dirty too at the end. There, I get that he was supposed to be like something to kind of help the main character accomplished something but man i feel like they did him so dirty in the end there you know what i mean and especially when both of those characters got sidelined earlier in the season and then for it to happen that way but i'm not going to spoil it any further than that that's like honestly the only thing that was kind of like oh man those characters are so good i wish they had used them a little bit more expanded them a little bit more and maybe that the outcome were different for those two characters That's, that's that's personally how i feel about it yeah um and so I guess I'll close out now with what I like about anime. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of a fusion of what a lot of people have said already mm-hmm. uh, here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. The art is certainly something that is super alluring. Mm-hmm. Like, and I just love how it contributes to the overall storytelling of it. Like, just looking at Dragon Ball, each transformation kind of like has a story of its own you have the i'll give you this amazing the timeless amazing story of the legendary super amazing not lssj regular ssj amazing Mm -hmm. story you have the whole thing with super saiyan 2 super saiyan 3 was kind of it wasn't really there but 
it just kind of looked visually cool, and that on its own made it cool. It's your favorite transformation, isn't it, Walt? Super Saiyan 3 only has a story if you've seen the movies. I That's the thing that annoys me about it. You have to watch some of the some of the films mm-hmm. to get a better idea of what Super Saiyan 3 is. But there, there that look does – it is a look that I do like. Um, the, the general – insanity of that hair is just <laughs> awesome yes <laughs> plus that his yeah. demeanor is cool i think when he's super saiyan 3 and super saiyan 4 yeah. he's more like like uh, i think eli said earlier he gets more down to bit or like aj Shoot said earlier kill. he gets more down to mm-hmm. business you know yes and so <laughs> i just like how like how visually compelling it is and how it adds to like their storytelling uh, I like the stories they tell. Uh, like you said, Jose, mm-hmm. there's such a diverse... Uh, there, there's so much diversity in anime. Like, it's just... It's amazing, you know? Um, you, you really can't go wrong. No. If you, if you just, like, decide, oh, well, this just looks interesting. Yeah. Why don't we have that at you? You will nine times out of ten guaranteed like it like it or love it yeah exactly it's always entertaining i feel like because it could partially because it is so out there and it tries to tell such like crazy stories for lack of a better term right yes Mm -hmm. and yeah that's really what i like about anime and those are my two well one again the honorable mention but my favorite anime as it stands and now last but not least Walt. Tell us a little bit about the, it, sir. So, as the elder statement of this podcast, Ooh, right? Um, I have some thoughts. Go ahead. I'm yeah, curious. I, I've, I've been I've been here quite a while. It, it's interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna frame this discussion a little bit different from you guys because I think you guys mentioned your favorite animes first, and then why you loved anime. I'm gonna go the reverse on this okay. one because I think, like I said, me being the old guy on this podcast. <laughs> um, I think I think it, it'll it'll frame my conversation a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, as a child of the seventies, yes, I'm dating myself here. So damn, I feel old. But anyway, <laughs> as a child of the seventies, um, I think I've had probably the earliest exposure to anime than probably any of you guys here. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my earliest recollections of watching an anime goes back all the way to battle of the planets which is probably something that not a lot of people recognize right I now don't know what you're talking about but i love it <laughs> but but this was one of the most popular uh shows back in the 70s um it first aired in 1978 and it was an adaptation an american adaptation of Japanese anime series Science Ninja Team Gachaman. Yeah, I don't know what that is either, but I love it. <laughs> okay, so this this dealt with um, five characters, um, and uh, they were all dressed up in kind of bird-like armor. Okay. Um, they they were part of a group called the G Force, and one of the things that I loved about it is that their their spaceship insanity and something that i drew frequently as a kid was called in 
in my recollection, it was the Phoenix, but I called it the fiery Phoenix because one of one of its transformations, it went from just a regular plane into literally a firebird, a Phoenix, you know, shrouded in flames. That's that's the whole thing about it. And, And so that was one of the things that kind of that kind of got me into anime, that that particular show. And like I said, it was a very popular show back then. Apparently, nobody knows about it now. <laughs> People just like, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but if if you check it out, if you go on and check it out, um, you'll see why I was attracted to it because the character designs were interesting. That spaceship was incredibly awesome. Mm-hmm. The transformation into that Firebird was one of the things that was a revelation to me because at the time I was watching stuff like. Bugs Bunny and Wood, Woody Woodpecker and stuff like that. So this was something new and different and totally, you know, out of the realm of like, what in the world is this thing? And me as a as an artist back then, you know, I used to love to draw. Mm-hmm. This was one of the things that I was constantly drawing, you know, because it was just the character design, the design of all the, the things on it was just super spectacular. Um that led me to continue to watch more stuff. Voltron being one of the one of the other I'm ones. Waiting for one of it, but really, I hope. <laughs> I, I think I think it's coming right I now because yeah. w- go ahead. The thing <laughs> that really really cemented my love for anime was the Robotech series. Yes, I I almost knew that was coming. I remember when we used to read the comics and watch it as a as, well. I was a kid. You were a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and in particular one, you know, a, a lot of people kind of. kind of go to the Robotech saga uh, in terms of the Macross saga. Mm -hmm. But I was actually more of a fan of the third iteration of Robotech, which was the new generation. Mm -hmm. And and again, you know, one of of the things about that show was the character design. And one of my all-time favorite mechs came out of that thing, which is the the Robotech Cyclone, yeah, uh, armor. Remember when? Remember when that I was... like hallucinated the night before I bought that toy <laughs> when I was a mm-hmm. little kid. <laughs> that was that is probably and it, it still remains one of my best, one of the best versions of Mech in all of anime for me. Mm. That Robotech Cyclone was amazing, but you know, a, as well as the visuals uh-huh. were. Um, I think the thing that really, really inspired my love of anime was the fact that they were telling adult stories. Yes. You know, it, it, it was such a different thing from, like I said, all of the stuff that I had seen before mm-hmm. in terms of like, like Bugs Bunny. Hey, Bugs Bunny is awesome, right? Bugs Bunny was a different, different, different in a way because it used comedy. But at the same time, if you really, really look at what Bugs Bunny was doing back then, especially earlier, earlier, much better much more before I was born, um, Bugs Bunny was kind of used as propaganda as yeah. well. You know, they they did use it during World War II, I believe, to kind of get everybody on board that Z Germans were the bad guys, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but, you know, as, as it never really had that, that type of feel that Robotech gave me. Mm-hmm. I mean, Robotech, dealt with themes of loss with, with themes of romance and love um and and these were things that we weren't seeing really you know in american animation and so you know it was cool to see the visuals but to have that story and and 
be so impactful mm -hmm. when I was a kid in the 80s when Robotech came out was just one of these things was like, wow, you know, you can no longer say that animation is just for kids, mm -hmm. right? This was, yes. this was kind of the thing where it's like, you know what? Oh, you're just watching a cartoon. No, not really, you know? Um, so that's kind of the things that really got me into anime. It was the the it was not only the visual aspect, but really the storytelling that really cemented my love for anime back okay. then. Um, so that being said, now that you know my background in anime mm -hmm. and the reasons why I love anime, um, let's get to my favorite anime of all time. And again, like you said. It's always subjective, right? It, it always really depends on um, the time of day and and you know what you're watching at at the current time and you know what's going on with your life and stuff like that. So animes can can jump in and out, you know. Um, Akira being one of them, one of the more you know my most most favorite animes of all mm -hmm. time. Uh, Vampire Hunter D is another one. one, but. <clears throat> There was there was something about the news lately that kind of made me remember, and and I I say that you know in quotes because I've never forgotten this show, um, and that was the t the death of Kentaro Miura. Oh right? yeah, uh, he was the creator of what I'm going to list right now as my favorite anime of all time. He was the creator of Berserk. Yeah. Oh. You know. Um. And it's funny because I remember, and I maybe you do too, you know, um, when we had the Dreamcast, there was this excellent game mm -hmm. called The Sword of the Berserk, right? Scott's Revenge, and, I think, right? Was the subtitle? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And it, that was kind of like God of War before, before God of War became what God of War yeah, is, right? It, it, was that, it was that style of mm -hmm. game. And little did I know that, you know, many, many years later that, uh, the video game that I played was actually an anime, and it's funny yeah. because the way I found Berserk was from a, one of our dojo mates, Paulie. Oh yeah, Paulie! Paulie. Shout out! Yeah, but shout out to Paulie over in, in California here. Um, he was one of our dojo mates, and before he moved to California, mm -hmm. and he was so insistent on me to watch Berserk, and and we talked about anime and stuff like that. But he was like, dude. If you love, you gotta watch Berserk. You gotta watch Berserk. It was yeah. like every, and he literally gave me all the episodes. <laughs> oh, really? That's how, that's how passionate he was about Berserk. I really want to see it too. He, um, I was wondering if maybe you could share that because it's kind of hard to find a lot of the episodes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, and it's funny because Berserk has been adapted in many ways. Um, there are actually three films that does the adaptation of the um, of the the series as well. Um, some people love it. Some people hate yeah. it. Uh, and, and stuff, but he really was the one that got me onto Berserk, and I, I'm telling you, I'm glad that he did because listen, even my wife Amy, she is a huge fan of Berserk. She watched, she watched it with me, and she was just, um, she was just glued to the screen. Mm -hmm. That's how good the the show is. So again. Like I said, um, Berserk is a show that originally came out back in 1997, and it's 25 episodes, so it's not a long, a long thing. But it only adapts a certain amount because 
the berserk manga is ongoing and unfortunately with the death of its creator they're actually ending it right but um you do have the show and like i said i believe it's on netflix you could watch the three films and the three films are very very good as well mm. not as good as the anime series itself because the anime series of course is long form and it, and it has the ability to kind of really dig deep into some of the themes of berserk mm -hmm. but um the films itself does a really really good job on its own as well one of the reasons why i think berserk is so great notwithstanding that it's it is one of the best-selling mangas of all time yeah. still to this day it's right. been going on for a very very long time yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah i think they've they've sold over 50 million copies of of that series um is the way that it does Game of Thrones, but so much better. <laughs> okay. I, I, I think it, it's a dark fantasy for anybody who is unaware of what Berserk is, but it's also a revenge story. But it's so much more than that because the level, uh, the layer of characterization with their characters, the, the depth that they go into is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, the antagonists and the protagonists are probably in my opinion one of the best written in anime and manga mm -hmm. um you know berserk Let's... you could look at berserk guts guts as the main character mm -hmm. you could look at him as kind of that trope where he's you know the big guy with the with the huge sword and missing an eye but if you really watch the series you you could see how his story is really built on tragedy and how that kind of informs his his character mm -hmm. and the motivations that he has um and then of course you have uh you have you know the the other the other characters that are around him casca being one of the main characters that he interacts with um but i i really need to highlight the antagonist of the show with that's Griffith. Yeah. And what's interesting is that Griffith's uh story, you know, his his uh his arc is one that he starts out on the show as a hero. And you know, he has a very defined set of principles um, but he also has aspirations and and basically his his story is one of how his aspirations kind of um, cause the fall of his character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's a tragedy there, you know, falling in lines with the main themes of a berserk, the tragedy of his fall. Right. And his descent into darkness, literally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the cost of the friendship that he has with Guts. And, and that's one of those things that it's like, you know, you watch the show and it's just amazing how, you know, they frame these relationships. And, and again, you know, the spectacle of it, it's, a, it's an amazing show in terms of action, right? But it's just as amazing in terms of story as well. Well, it's considered one of the best, if not the best, seinen manga of all time. So I can definitely see 
why that comparison is kind of made. Like, I mean, it's grounded in, in a reality. So it's grounded in characters rather than spectacle, even though it is a great spectacle at times. Right. Right. And, and, and it, it's, you're, you're setting the, the whole story in the medieval times and stuff, which, which, um, you know, adds something to the whole thing in terms of, you know, the nobility of, of everything that's going on. And, you know, the, the, again, the spectacle of it and, and, and whatnot, but, you know, there are, especially once you get into, uh, Guts's backstories, you know, everything that happens on that show is, is for a reason. There's nothing that they really, really, you know, um, forget. They, it's, you know, like there's some shows that they throw something in there and you think it's like a big thing and it's, it's going to serve the plot and then they never go back mm-hmm. to it. You know, um, that doesn't happen here. They, they tie everything back together. And like I said, you know, especially when you're, you're ending that, that golden arc that, that, that they have, um, you're devastated by the, by the time that you get to the end of the show. You know, it, it, it's just one of these things where it's like, you know, to see how Griffith fell and, and you know, the betrayal that he has to the, the characters that looked up to him, you know, as, as father figures, as this, this hero, as this godlike figure mm-hmm. for them. And to see him betray them all at that, at that very last moment, um, it, it's just it stands as one of one of these things where it's like it's shocking in the way that it happens and um, a very adult theme uh, series. Mm-hmm. It's not one that you know everybody can get into. Um, there's it's very 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 dark, but like I said, it stands as one of my favorites just because that story is just amazing. All right. So we got our four favorites in over here, our favorite anime of all time. And like we said, this may change over time. If Attack on Titan doesn't stick the landing for me, we'll see what happens. But this is a good conversation. I loved having it with y'all. Another great conversation of the Get Geek podcast. Um, So let's wind it down, y'all. Let's do our final disclaimers. As usual, we record remotely. Slide into the DMs if you got a problem with the audio. We think we've done a great job. Any feedback is appreciated on our DMs regardless. Let us know what you think about this episode. Let us know what you want in future episodes. The best way to support your favorite podcast crew is to support us on all social media and all your favorite podcast platforms on social media. Look us up at Get Geek Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook, as well as many other social media platforms. And the best way to support our podcast, the absolute best way to support the podcast is to like, rate, share, subscribe, and rate us on your favorite podcast platform, especially Apple Podcasts. Apple got that clout. You know, y'all know how it is. But yeah, we appreciate you joining us for another fun episode of the Get Geek Podcast. And and y'all know what there is left to say at this point. There's only one thing left to say to you all, and that is for everybody out there to stay geeky, my friends. Stay geeky. Peace.